Welcome, I'm Walter. And I'm Wheeler. And, and we're, we're the, the Observer, Observer Station. Station. Fucking hell. That's tough to put up with. That's true. We can just start. Side. Yeah, we can just start shit talking providers. I'm down with that. I mean, everybody shit talks their boss. We don't have to be brutal about it. Try to be as fair both ways as possible. Hey, I think I've been pretty fair with <laughs> considering they fucked <laughs> me over royally. No, that's it. We just got to stick with kind of being like, hey, these are people too. We're people. They're people. They're people trying to do their job. And we're people trying to get out of doing our job because it's fucking hard and brutal. And sometimes you're just done. Yeah. Welcome back, everybody. Yes, welcome back. Lauren, how are you doing? Uh, you know, I'm doing pretty good. Kind of stuffed full of turkey from yesterday, which is kind of nice. <laughs> Got to enjoy that turkey stuffing. Everybody loves good Black Friday as well. They don't really do as much, what do they call it, doorbusters anymore, you know, since the Rona came out, which is kind of sad. That's the only reason I went out for Black Friday is to go get those doorbusters. Usually I'd hit a couple stores, see what free shit I can get, and then go home and order my stuff online like a normal person. You know, I only did like one Black Friday ever, and it was because my cousin like dragged me out when she was home one year. And I bought a sweater, and then I watched a bunch of people fight over shit. It was kind of fun. Yeah, I've been to a Walmart on Black Friday. Yes, it is as terrible as one might think. I've been to <laughs> Cabela's on Black Friday. Yes, it's as terrible. I went to Coastal Farm and Ranch for Black Friday once, and then I went to my local Bymart, which I think in total there was like seven people in line for Black Friday, but they had good deals on ammunition TVs, so that was my draw to it. I it. I but as the, uh, the holiday season comes along, I've already pulled down my Christmas decorations and getting everything ready around here. I know some people are still at sea, some boats still work during this time of year, and it can't be easy. I've done the smaller holidays, the summer holidays and winter holidays, like early winter holidays at sea. And it's never seems to be anything special. What about you, Lauren? You ever been at sea during any of the major holidays? Um, I've been at sea for like 4th of July and like Labor Day, which those are actually kind of like fun because like sometimes like you'll be out and you'll be like pulling up a net at night and you'll see like fireworks going off somewhere, which is kind of fun. Probably super illegal because they're shooting them off of boats, but like, you know, still kind of fun. But yeah, n none of like the major holidays. Like when I trained, a lot of my class went out on Christmas, which because we graduated like December 21st of the year I trained from my training class. And then like people went out on Christmas onto pot boats, which was kind of ridiculous. But yeah, I mean, I've never been out on a holiday, just the fourth and Labor Day. Well, what about, you know, those boring winter holidays too, like Valentine's Day? And Oh, shit. Have I? Yeah, I have been deployed on Valentine's Day. Yeah, well, that's when you came out to King Cove, wasn't it? It was around Valentine's Day or something. It was in wintertime. Yeah, it, yeah, actually it was. I didn't even notice. <laughs> but none of those holidays, at least in the U.S., are as family-oriented, which I guess probably isn't a huge deal for a lot of the foreign crews. But I know a lot of the home crews, and definitely I like to be around family or at least see family during Thanksgiving or the Christmas season is... I am in a family that celebrates Christmas. So trying to find stories of people celebrating these holidays at seas on fishing vessels seems to be pretty difficult. What about you, Lauren? You have, have anybody tell you about any Thanksgiving stories at sea? The only stories that I've been able to find besides, I don't know, we treated it like a normal day, was like, I baked some muffins for the crew. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know everybody loves a good muffin but yeah I mean I guess like when you're on a boat you just try to like phase it out of your brain so you don't realize that you're like away from family which I get but yeah nobody seems to really be doing anything special uh, during holidays on these fishing boats well that I've heard of if you guys have a story please feel free to drop it on our Instagram our email or on our one of our feeds we'll find it. Yeah. I think the closest I've ever been to celebrating Thanksgiving on a boat was doing fall hake. But other than that, it's a hake. Uh, most of the, other, <laughs> most of the <laughs> other boats don't have, or most of the boats I work on don't work during that time of year. That could be different this, this time around as I'm working West coast. I've already been on my first couple trips and getting ready to maybe do another one. We'll see all weather dependent all these small boats so yeah i'm actually uh excited to hear about your west coast off record i get all the juicy details (laughs) (laughs) so it looked like we had planned to talk about providers for this one and we can crash scratch out taxi it's no longer a company (laughs) we'll 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 do a memorial to (laughs) taxi r.i.p i'd like to take this moment for a moment of silence like take i'd like to take a moment of silence for (laughs) taxi rip one out for my homie um, <laughs> one for me one for the homies oh <laughs> uh, poor taxi they're like a fuck uh, what i'm trying to find like in the manual, just a general history of observers, but there's not because I guess we don't matter. We're expendable. One goes down on a the boat. They're like, oh, can we fit another one in the training class? <laughs> Does that boat still need to be covered? <laughs> Does that boat still need to be covered? Give us three weeks. We'll have another one up there. Yeah. The history we can just, I mean, essentially create into a bonus episode about the, uh, the observer program. All right, so Lauren, Quinn, yeah, R.I.P. Texie. Yeah, Lauren went out for our homies. So we have Texie, who used to be a observer provider. They were a full coverage observer provider, which we'll talk about full coverage versus partial coverage uh, later in the episode. All right, who else do we got? Do we want to go into uh, the AO's eyes or the uh, salt waters? So yeah, we have three provider companies left after Texas since they've gone out of business or were absorbed. I don't actually know the details of that. We've got AOI, Saltwater, and AIS. All these companies were founded like the exact same year for pretty much the same reason. They were founded back in 1988 to provide observers to not only the Alaska program, but other areas that were being affected by the Magnuson-Stevens Act. West Coast, East Coast, Gulf Coast. Yeah, all those observer coverage areas that we had previously talked about. Not all of them were distinctive programs, but all of them were starting to come into the works. So companies provided observers to fill slots on these boats so that data could be collected for scientists. They weren't really sure what data they needed. Lots of changes have happened since then, but the base program all starts in 1990 or 1988. So let's talk about AOI first or Alaska 
Observers Incorporated. I don't know much about them, uh, to be honest. The only thing that I heard when I was uh, training was that they required a one-year contract, which I thought was insane. For um, first year, yeah. Oh, okay. It's only first year? Yeah, it's only for your first year. They require a one-year contract, or they used to require a one-year contract. At union negotiations are currently ongoing, so I have no idea what's going to happen with anything in the future. But as of previous to now, this is what I understand. They require a one-year contract. You get paid for training no matter what. Even if you don't pass, I know they pay you like per day of training that you actually go on their page here. It says our observers and the quality of their work finally determines success of our company and we treat them accordingly. So they say they treat their observers nicely. <laughs> I'm not going to say that they don't. I don't work for that company, but I've heard stories where people are less than satisfied with the outcome of their assignment or how their work is going or how their year contract, their first year contract goes. I have um, several emails in our in- inbox right now that talk about interesting things with AOI, which uh, I feel like I'll just dive into that in our bonus episode when we go into the history, when we'll do like testimonials, I guess. Okay. Well, I guess we can do that. Uh, AOI is only a full coverage provider. I know they have, I guess I could technically just say a majority of the plants in Dutch as of now. They have quite a few vessels, factory ships and catcher vessels in Dutch Harbor and in Kodiak. They have catcher vessels. The plants are a little weird because those are still under the exempted fishing permit or experimental fishing permit. In Kodiak? In Kodiak, yeah. yeah. Well, and we're the, kind of like duking out. EM system. Yeah, and Saltwater is kind of duking out with AIS for those. Yeah, so this company doesn't, I mean, you go to their, their homepage, they don't really have a whole lot of information on like who actually works for them. They do obviously the Alaska program. They also do the West Coast program as well. They're always, I mean, all the companies are always hiring for new observers. And that's pretty much all the information I have on the company. It says that they do partial coverage, but I assume that's just for IFQ or West Coast Fisheries, not for Alaska, because the Alaska partial coverage is under contract with the federal government, while the other full coverage is under contracts with specific vessels or processors. Yeah. And then AIS is actually the one that, well, wait, that's up for this year, isn't it? The yes. contract? I don't know if it's already happened or if it's happening now, but they have to decide on who is going to provide partial coverage for Alaska for the next four years, I think it is. Yeah, so AIS, I know, has has had it for the last four years, um, and they are mostly the partial coverage, like we've said. And, you know, they actually are very, very different, like when it comes to pay. They do like a per hour slash per diem pay scale which is very weird and complicated when you first start and then it kind of like super makes sense after your like third boat because they do like a a weird pay scale where it's like per hour for like this many hours and then like after that it's like time and a half and then like they have standby pay and then they have like land waiting pay and then they have like travel pay and like it's so fucking complicated but you get it you get the hang of it after a whole while yeah my understanding is both AOI and saltwater have the same daily rate pay with the exception of this COVID quarantine things, you get paid every day you are deployed at a port or waiting at a port. Anchorage is like the one place you're not paid or you might be paid and it's kind of a gray area. At least for Saltwater, I don't know the case for AOI. Yeah. Um, and then like Saltwater, a company that we work for, they're a 
full t- full server program. Yeah. So do you want to give a little bit more information on AIS? I don't really know too much. I see that the uh, they give it a little blurb here on the president of AIS. I'm not yeah. going to even try to pronounce his name. Avardis. <laughs> who, uh, yeah. No, it's um, no, no idea there. But AIS does way more or they, it seems like it's a lot larger company than either saltwater or aoi because they do a lot more outside of just observing in alaska yeah so as far as like fishery monitoring not only do they have north pacific but they also have the northeast the southeast they have industry funded programs kind of all over and they also dip into state programs when it comes to fishery monitoring um another thing that they do is they're actually into like migration and monitoring as well. So they do a lot of like geo surveys, uh, pile driving, cable laying, dredging inspection, natural resource damage assessments, protected species observer training. They also have like American shad monitoring projects, sturgeon um, gear studies. They have like eelgrass mitigations. They have like Gulf of Maine research. They have, they, they test a bunch of devices for people. And then they also do actually I have to look, look this one. They also have like dredging inspection. So they kind of dip their toes in a shitload of things, but they are more well known for Alaska. Although they did get their start in the Northeast. Like their headquarters is in, I think, like Massachusetts or some shit. Yeah, I think so. I think it says that. And here they're founded to train protected species observers and observers for harbor and river dredging operations. So unlike the other two companies, which pretty much were created to provide observers for the Alaska program, this one started on the other side of the country and made its way across. They're an interesting company to work for. Um, That's where I got my start. But like, yeah, yeah, they are headquartered in Massachusetts by Dartmouth. Um, or Dartmouth, or however you want to pronounce that. Um, I think it's Dartmouth, but I don't know. I'm not on the East Coast. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they're, they have a lot of avenues. I mean, you don't have to do like just the Alaska program with that company. And then, Yeah, I mean, if you look at their job board here, they're hiring for people in Boston, Point Judith, New Bedford, Hampton Bay, Portland, Maine, someplace in Massachusetts, Galveston. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're hiring kind of... It seems a lot more of their jobs are on the East Coast, but they seem to be hiring pretty much everywhere. And there are a lot lot more diversified positions than just fishery biologist or something in that realm. But yeah, they have to pretty much rebid for the contract this year. I don't know what actually entails in putting in for this bid or why they got it previously. I don't know if the government does it solely based off of price or if they look into company size when they do these things. Um, I mean, I was talking with our boss a little bit about like, you know, how that type of system works. And basically what they do is they draw up this proposal on how and why they're better than the other companies and how and why they can do it better than the other companies and also how and why they can do it better, more effectively at a cheaper price than the other companies. So it's all about how your proposal looks, what you're offering, what you can give them that other companies can't. And how low you can get your price, you know, that is like lower than everybody else's. So at least that's how she told it to me. And proposals are actually like 
these huge packets that like take hours and hours and hours of work and then they submit it to the federal government. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of interesting to kind of hear about that. She wasn't talking about the partial coverage proposal. At the time, she was talking about some EM proposal for somewhere else. But it was just interesting to hear her talk about what actually goes into these proposals that you actually have to like submit you know, to the federal government. So that was kind of interesting way above my pay rate but yeah it was just kind of cool to hear about that also since we were looking at AIS and like what they have to offer employment wise I looked into AOI and all they literally have is Alaska Observer employment on their website I figured that would be observer application (laughs) yeah I I feel like I I wanted to be fair with them by maybe sharing some of that but all they have is observer applications that being said I was looking at the uh the AOI West Coast program pay and their base pay is so much more than ours pretty much twice what saltwater pays yeah which is insane because like Especially when you when you think about, you know, someone like me that's moving across the country to go work on the West Coast program, that kind of grinds my gears a little bit because like I'm thinking about like, okay, like can I substitute over there to like make more money just in case we have a lighter month, you know, kind of freaking out about like bills. So like it's I'm just like, come on, man. Like, why aren't we like with par with AOI? They also give up to three hundred and fifty dollars for relocation expenses, which Saltwater does not do. It does not. So let's get into our employer. First off, I'd like to say out of the three websites, I personally like Saltwater's the best, even though the logo looks blurry on the front page, which is a little weird, but everything else, I, I think it's an easier page to navigate. This is very true. I'm on it right now. And we've got more colorful pictures. Let's be real. Everybody likes looking at some nice, colorful pictures when they're on a good website. Actually, our website actually looks like a website because AOI and AIS kind of have like that. Oh, what is that called? Like wobbly, webbly? Uh, sure. It's it's like that. You can like go on. You can like make your own website, but it like looks like you made your own website. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where, where ours actually is like more fluid and actually looks like a professionally made website. And I mean, I've worked for multiple, multiple companies, so like I don't exactly have a bias, but <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah. And let's, let's. OK, so on our website, it looks like we do uh, marine mammal observing, protected species observing. Obviously, we have fishery observers on West Coast, Alaska. Uh, we actually have a left. Uh, electric monitoring that we do i don't know what the fuck a protect fishery is Um... i believe that is just like being a a technical sport being a not it but helping with data analysis and things like that because you look at the requirements and they want you to have to be really good with computer and computer science yeah so yeah that's That's basically what this says. Also, I did not know that saltwater is only one is one of only 17 certified prime contractors in the fisheries domain and one of only five certified women owned small businesses. Yes. So saltwater, if you look at there, we actually you can see everybody that works for saltwater. It's not currently up to date, actually, because we've had or they've had a couple position changes. But yeah, the president of saltwater is female. And it really seems like most of our employees or their employees are female. Pretty much everyone I deal with, with the exception of Steve, who I finally talked to the other day, has been female. Most of my contacts have been obviously with our or the coordinators, Stacy and Joanne, but also Jen back at the bunkhouse. Jen's great. I love Jen. Always had pleasant interactions with them. They put up with my seasickness. 
but yeah, saltwater is a very female led business. And that is one of their big selling points, at least when I've talked to them about the contracts and particular assignments that they apply for. And that's one of their big selling points is like, hey, we're a female led business. Like this makes us different. Mm-hmm. Well, and as a female observer going into this world that's male dominated, it does give me a sense of security knowing that my bosses will understand the things that I tell them about how I'm feeling about certain things so that, you know, as a woman, just a little blurb there, it does kind of, it's kind of nice having that female oriented and they know where you're coming from stance when, when dealing with a boss about certain issues. Yeah. It's pretty nice that a lot of, I mean, this is also applies to the other companies, but a lot of your bosses as an observer were observers at one point, obviously the program has changed significantly since then, but a lot of our employers were themselves in the same position as we were or we are currently. Yeah, which is very nice too, because that gives them a level of understanding that, well, some people listening probably, you know, we're still kind of a little lost when we talk about things. But so it does give us uh, a nice little leg up when talking about how to do certain things in our job, if that makes sense. Yeah, no. And I mean, one of the weird things about our job is like explaining who we actually work for and how this scale works. So people are like, so you work for the government, right? Well, no, technically we don't work for the government. We're subcontracted from NIMPS to these companies and we sign contracts with these companies for however long our deployment is, 90 days. West Coast, it's a year. And we can sign extensions on these contracts, but technically we're not even really employees for these companies. At least observers aren't employees for the companies. They're subcontractors, subcontracted. Or it's it's such a weird scale. That's how they get away with some of the things they do for health co- health insurance and benefits and things like that. Yeah, if you're looking to get into the observer program, don't get your hopes up about any sort of health coverage or benefits. Yeah. So I know for saltwater, it's like 13 months you have to work without more than an eight week gap or eight week taking eight weeks off continuously. They can kind of fix that around if they, you go do a training that breaks up the eight weeks or if you do a debrief during that time that breaks up the eight weeks. It, it's really funky for saltwater. I don't believe AOI is the same way. I have no idea how AIS's health coverage works or even if they have it. I will say that was the one downside about switching from AIS to to saltwater is because AIS actually does have an awesome setup for health coverage. With with AIS, you're actually listed as a full-time employee. So you automatically get benefits. And then when you come off a contract, you have 45 days before you have to return. After 45 days, your medical insurance will lapse unless you go back into the field. So I will say that's a kind of an awesome setup because when you get off a contract, like if you need to get your teeth cleaned, if you need to get, you know, glasses, if you need to like go get like a checkup, you have the health coverage to do that. So that's kind of like an awesome pro for AIS is, is their health coverage. I will say after that 45 days, you do have the option to pay out of pocket for Cobra. Yeah. Cobra, but that's like fucking 300 and something bucks a month. No, it's more than that. I just, uh, actually because I'm doing West coast for saltwater now, I'm not 
able to deploy to the Alaska Hake program. So I just lost my health coverage through saltwater. Wait, shit, and really? Yeah, because it's been, I got back in what it was like August 13th or 9th or 10th or some time mid-August before training. But yeah, I lost my health coverage. Luckily, I'm married, so I'm just going under my wife's health coverage. Lucky bastard. Yeah, but the <laughs> saltwater gives you 56 days after, but it takes 13 months of almost continuous deployment to get that. I worked for five, four years. So it wasn't until COVID happened that I was actually eligible to get on to the saltwater insurance. So that was four years. It took me to finally get on to the saltwater health coverage. That's insane. And and somebody coming from AIS, like I even asked before I switched over, like, do you guys have health coverage? And I was told yes, but I wasn't told like the parameters, which kind of pissed me off. But yeah, I didn't actually know the parameters either. It's, I don't know. I I'm not even sure it's stated anywhere on the contract that this is the 13th, 13 months of continuous work without more than an eight week break in it. It was. Which is hard to do. Like, yeah, well, I mean, work slows down unless you're doing hake in the fall, you're going to go over eight weeks. I mean, that's only 56 days. If you work until October 31st, going from November to December, will put you over that 56 days and you'll lose coverage or your eight weeks and you won't be able you won't be eligible anymore yeah which is like something that i hope that our union is uh negotiating right now yeah i mean health insurance is obviously huge in this day and age pretty hot button topic with everything going on currently especially in the pandemic times yeah and i mean like especially with everything that happens like on like in our job Like I, you know, I mean, like I was on workman's comp for a little bit and that just sucked because like having to navigate that system, like the federal workman's comp system is a headache. Come on, come on, providers do better. Like, well, that's it. They are business, but we are also human beings as well. So it's a hard balance, obviously, as lower employees, we want better coverage for our health and for ourselves and people complain about pay and things like that. But they're also trying not to make too much of an impact on the fisheries. They're competing for pricing contracts and things like that. So they have a relatively limited budget and these companies are trying to grow and expand. They have a lot of employees that aren't observers. So they're not necessarily bringing in the dollars like observers do. You look at the pricing for observers, the average cost per vessel is not significantly too much more than what we're paid. I think what it broke down to an average cost of like 350 to uh, $420 per day per observer uh, per vessel. And if you break that down to what, I mean, the highest rate uh, pay is for um, observers currently, I believe is 217 for saltwater. So the company is technically only making like 140 to 200 bucks office per day. <laughs> that goes into overheads and things like that. And observers obviously always want more pay. I mean, who doesn't? That's yeah, there's I no mean, issue there. I mean, our job sucks. Like <laughs> <laughs> it does. <laughs> and fishermen obviously don't want to pay more for us. And companies don't want to have to charge fishermen more if they don't have to. And all the companies, because they bid for these contracts are trying to keep the prices low and us costing them more money. And so that's where the 
coverage prices change for what type of fishery it is. I think A80, they pay a little bit more, but processor plants, I think, pay the most for observer coverage. They didn't actually list or so these prices are coming from the North Pacific Marine, North Pacific Fishery Management Council. The observer providers based off the observer 2020 annual report charge vessels about 340 to $370 per day, which what 300 and we'll just do 350 minus, I think it's 217 for the highest. So that's $133 per day that the companies are making off observers in a 90 day contract. It's about $12,000 that the companies make off of observers that doesn't account for health insurance or what's that other thing the company pays for do they put into our at sea oh or at sea god what is that thing called that we put money into oh oh um like our mariners yeah the mariners uh money plan or whatever the thing is yeah it's kind of like a retirement plan yeah um I... i don't know if the companies put into that or not I don't, I don't think they do. I think that comes paychecks. out. Yeah, I think that comes out of our paychecks, like only out of our paychecks. Okay, but yeah, that doesn't account for any of the overhead. So you figure on your ninety on a ninety day deployment, the company makes about twelve thousand dollars off of you, um, because the the boats themselves are the ones paying for our flights in and out and the per diem. The companies also have to pay us for briefings and debriefings and trainings. So and housing. And housing in Seattle, not or Anchorage, if your company has a bunkhouse there, but nowhere else. Well, Dutch the Harbor. Vessels are paying for that. No, well, I, I guess, yeah, Dutch Harbor as well. I totally forgot we have a bunkhouse there. I haven't been to Dutch in so long. Oh my God, me either, man. But yeah, it, the pay, obviously, people want more. They always want better coverage and things like that. And Honestly, if you look at, I would give up pay. I would give up some of my pay for full insurance. Not gonna lie. <laughs> If you look at what observers were making back in 20, I think I saw the farthest back I saw was 2011 or 2010. The pay was only like $16 lower than what it is now for max pay. So we haven't even given a pay increase or pay raise of a dollar a year, which when accounting for inflation and cost of living and things like that is actually pretty sad. Yeah, I mean... Fishermen still like to complain about paying for us, but these individual contracts that we sign each of our deployments for going up to Alaska and saying, hey, I promise to stick around to my best for 90 days or a year if it's your first contract and you're signing up for AOI, says things like, I will not take firearms with me. (laughs) Says you won't drink while on contract. LOL. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these rules exist for a reason it, well yeah even if they're not specifically followed by all observers they're there to protect the company from arps essentially yeah i think they need to put a clause in there that says that you're not allowed to steal forklifts yeah well i think stealing is just illegal in general um i think it says somewhere in there that you're not supposed to like break the law while you're up there and you'll act professional yeah but definitely which... don't steal forklifts <laughs> So 
you want to talk a little bit more about forklifts? Like, what's your favorite forklift brand? <laughs> For people <laughs> who pre- like, do you prefer to take the yellow or the orange ones? Like- I like the yellow ones. Oh, okay. Yeah, I um, I don't even know if we're like allowed to talk about that story, but like, it is Honestly, just kind why of. Not? It's, I feel like it's general knowledge at this point. That's fair. Well, for like observer people. Yeah, um, that's what we're making this podcast for. That's true. I, everybody else that listens to this podcast are like, what are they talking about? Why is she <laughs> so obsessed with stealing a forklift? I mean, I'm pretty sure like you know more about that story than I do. No, I don't really know too much. I just know forklift cuts nabbed. If you've ever worked at a processing plant or <laughs> any construction site, really, they kind of leave the keys in them. So yeah jump on and go on your merry way you're not really supposed to do that though yeah probably shouldn't yeah like if you're an observer and you're drinking and you don't want to be on contract anymore stealing a forklift is probably not the way to get off contract yeah so at least i know saltwater does has a clause that if you break contract they pretty much don't have to pay for you to come back because you're not fulfilling your contract and it's not because the provider doesn't have work for you or it doesn't need you or you came to an agreement with your provider, but because you're just blatantly just done, you quit or you, you messed up big. You shot some street signs or something like that. <laughs> they don't have to pay for your flight home. You can get stuck in Alaska under those cases. That being said, you really have to mess up. If you work with your provider and do your best to fulfill your contract and kind of give them a little slack, they've will pretty much pay to get you out of there. They're not paying. Technically the plant is, they're just replacing you or the vessel or whatever. Your providers are really good because they they don't want like a, you know, mentally and emotionally unstable person working up there. So if you're struggling like mentally or this is, this job is like not what you thought it was, or you just like can't handle something. I mean, like, just be very honest with your provider. You know, they, they want their employees to be happy and healthy for the most part. So, you know, I mean, if you're honest with them, like they'll help you out. They might ask you to do one more week while they get somebody else up there, you know, but they will work with you. I feel like we've ranted and raved on money and insurance and providers. Uh, We should probably talk about partial versus full and how that plays a role into what these providers are. Yeah, I guess kind of. I mean, there's really not too much to talk about there. So full coverage can be covered by any of the three companies up there, AY, AIS or Saltwater, they can technically inter- fill in for another company if the other companies don't have observers for full coverage vessels, which full coverage is the priority. Partial coverage is less of a priority. So if you're in a port and you were working for AIS, which was a company that has the partial coverage contract, and you're going to go out on a boat for a partial coverage trip, but they desperately need somebody to cover a full coverage vessel, they'll pull you off that partial coverage vessel and put you on a full coverage vessel. I hope I said that right. I think so. And then in our bonus episode, we go into like what the hell those are. So listen to our bonus episode. Yeah. The bonus episode's good. Gives a lot. Or we go break down as the terms, as many of the terms as we can think of that people might need assistance with. But yeah, I would suggest before listening to the bonus episode, maybe have a few drinks because it's a bit dry. Yeah, it's not exactly the most exciting thing in the world. It's hard to go into terms (laughs) and 
make it enjoyable we could i guess have like sung a song in the background or made like a nursery rhyme or something yeah maybe we'll do that for our next episode or next bonus episode we'll make it like a rap or some shit there you go make it like uh (laughs) make it like one of those super cheesy church raps or something we just have a real basic beat in the background and hell yeah i'll bust out my i'll bust out my dj table yeah there you go So the relationship between providers and observers has always been a little strained. Um, yes. They are supervisors or coordinators and our moms. sometimes our moms. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really, it's sad that observers require this. It's sad that companies treat observers like this because not all observers require parenting, but it's always those few exceptions that create the rules. I mean... I know a lot of saltwater is bunkhouse rules. So when we're at the company's housing, we have to follow certain rules. I don't know what the rules are for AIS or AOI, but saltwater bunkhouses, you can't drink on the property. You can't do illegal drugs. drugs. No drugs or no legal drugs. I mean, I guess you can smoke on the porch, but you can't smoke weed on the porch. No, you can smoke cigarettes, Lauren. Oh, Not everybody okay. <laughs> that smokes is smoking wacky tobacco. <laughs> That's why I said legal drugs as well, except with the exception of cigarettes. Um, they don't want you smoking inside. Don't pirate videos. No illegal internet activity. No sex. I don't think that's in the rules. Oh, it's in the rules. What? I've never seen it in the rules. I've what are you doing in rules. that bunkhouse? What, what, what are you doing in there? Not, not the sex. <laughs> sex now i'm pretty sure it's in there man because i've heard some I, like i've heard some crazy shit i've heard horror stories but i've never heard that or seen that rule i don't remember i don't think we're allowed to have guests in there or you have you're responsible for your guests it's one of those two options don't bring guests back to your bunkhouse it's awkward for everybody else the the only, the only... because everybody's there kind of living life kind of not living life and they don't want their shit stolen and they don't want to hear you having crazy wild sex in the room next door or in their room in yeah. any room just don't yeah just, be just don't. sex the only time it's acceptable is if like you're coming there from deployment and you need help with your bags and baskets then they're allowed to like you know bring them up drop them off and be like bye friend and then leave yeah that's acceptable anything else don't do it so but yeah i mean it's, it's a culture thing. I brought this up when I talked to the council and I'll continually say it. It is an observer culture that needs to change. It's a toxic culture. Observers oh, yeah. should not be acting like we're in high school. Okay. We are adults. We are professionals. We're here to do a job. Yes. It's okay to go out and, you know, have a couple adult beverages when not on contract or when you get back from a contract or you're heading, getting ready to go to a contract. But when you're at the bunkhouse, don't be getting shitty. Okay. You're not the only one there. And if you are, it's kind of sad to get shitty by yourself. <laughs> oh my God. With the amount of like bitching that we do, I feel like we're just like the oldest, saltiest of dogs. Like don't have fun. Don't drink. Don't act like kids. <laughs> no, it's okay to have fun. It's okay to go drink. But when you come back, to the bunkhouse and you make it miserable for everyone else that is crossing the line when you break shit when you kick down your neighbor's door and it's not even a bunkhouse door it is unacceptable okay obviously that didn't happen by uh actually i can't even say that that 
it happened. It did. Yeah, it happened. That's all we could say is that it happened. That it um, It's unacceptable. You, it doesn't need to be happening. You don't need to be coming back to the bunkhouse, shit face, throwing up in the bathroom or in the sink or any of that. Like, Also, if you puke on a couch in a bunkhouse, clean it up, man. Don't leave it to rot for weeks to the point yeah. where we have to throw the couch out. <laughs> now that we're talking about bunkhouses, well, do your dishes. Okay, don't leave them in the sink. Do your dishes. We're adults. Do your dishes. Yeah, I don't want to hear the bullshit. I don't want to hear this bullshit like, oh, it's going to be late for my plane. Well, you're an adult. You should have like time management, buddy. Like, yeah, just time management, man. Do your shit. Yeah. Here's a shout out to providers putting up with observers who miss flights. (laughs) Also, don't get drunk and miss your flight. Yeah, just like. The night before you're flying or the couple hours before you're flying have like one beverage if that's if you can handle for more than one beverage but like don't get shitty like it makes it miserable all around if you go to the airport you can have another beverage when you're past security and then you miss your flight at that point it's really completely your fault like you miss your flight because you're intoxicated that's on you okay unless your observer provider only gave you a couple hours notice then you know you can go either way with that so over drinking at bunkhouses and things like that, I am not, not free, free of that sin there. I've done it myself. I don't do it any longer. And I'm trying to push for a cultural change that will make it less acceptable for people to do. I mean, everybody wants to release some steam after they get back from a contract. And I totally get that. But getting shitty is not the way to do it. Having a couple beverages, okay, but there's so much more to do and way better ways to spend your money than to waste it all on alcohol. Yeah. I feel like that's something like, and we can have like a different episode on this, but like observer culture wise, I feel like it's almost like a hazing type of thing to take the newbies out to the bars and get them crazy shit faced, especially because like priors normally have way higher tolerances than newbies. And I know when I first started, like I felt extreme pressure to go out and get shit faced, you know, every single night with the priors. So, I mean, I feel like that's something that has to change. I know there's not a lot to do up there, especially in the winter, but I mean, like even going out to the bars, you don't have to drink. Like you can play pool and have a juice or you can have like one or two. You don't have to get crazy. You know, there's darts at the bars. Like you don't have to get crazy. Like, you know, I mean, you can have a good time without making newbies like drink excessively. Yeah. And that that's actually when it happened to me as well like as far as being shitty at the bunkhouse it's the only time it's happened to me is I went out with priors after my first contract when I probably shouldn't have and ended up drinking way too much but let's back away from the alcohol there and go back into a little bit more providers a little bit more of the providers Jen who is a bunkhouse manager in Seattle for saltwater. She does other things as well, but that's how most of us know her. She's a fantastic person. I feel bad for the shit she has to put up with that observers do in the bunkhouses, the messes that observers make. The bunkhouse or the bugs that they bring in. Yeah, things like that. Like it, she's a fantastic person. And some of the things observers do, it's really, in my opinion, has calmed down over the last couple of years, which is fantastic. I'm really ha- happy about that. But just the messes some of the observers make, it really boggles my mind. Like the shit people, the mess make people make in showers or in the bathroom. It's like, 
are you shaking off in there? Like, what is going on? Like a towel, <laughs> use a towel. Like I will say observers are pretty shitty when it comes to like providers, but I will say sometimes providers are just as shitty to us. Yeah. And that there's plenty of precedents for that providers. I mean, I've had my fair share of like, Hey, Wayne, can you go out on deployment in like tomorrow? Okay. Well, that was absolutely no notice as some people may or may not know. I live in Oregon. So I go up and do my briefings in Seattle or used to, and then come back home and either travel up to Seattle to fly out or fly out directly from Portland (laughs) and getting that short of a notice. I'm not always ready to like go immediately. And I'd like to have more than a day's notice or two days notice, but sometimes the providers don't have the ability to give you more than that. And sometimes someone's dragging their feet and it just, they just give you a short notice and it sucks. It really freaking sucks. Last year, the, uh, the quarantine up a lot of things. And my brother was actually finally visiting from the East coast. He's over there as a Navy diver. And I got a two days notice that after he had finally shown up, I hadn't seen him in probably a year and a half, maybe a little more than that. Actually. Yeah. Nope. It would have been more than probably two years. And finally I got to see him for like two days before I flew out and it sucked hardcore. You're a better man than I, I would have been like, fuck yourself. Uh, well, I really wanted that assignment. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> that was part of it. Um, I really enjoyed the assignment, but it sucks just getting those really short notices and having to pack up your life real quick and get out. And I don't know how much of that is on the providers, but it, they're the ones bringing, being the bearers of bad news. And it freaking sucks. I will being say, told you're leaving or you're getting on a boat at two o'clock in the morning. Your flights at all our flights always seem to be at two o'clock in the morning or like three o'clock in the morning. And <laughs> it sucks. Oh God. I hate that so much. I mean, like I get it. You want to stare like ASAP, but like, holy man, like that's intense. Like another thing that I think providers can like improve on is like how they actually do like our pay like the amount of times that I've had to call and be like hey this is wrong you underpaid me they they really need to get their shit together when it comes to payroll I will agree with that I've had probably five or six issues with pay that I've had to contact our payroll manager and get it figured out because they underpaid me. They messed up something on their end and I wasn't paid the amount I was expected. And the way it works is they don't give you that money immediately. They give it to you in your next paycheck, which is a little upsetting in my opinion, because a lot of people rely obviously on their paychecks. And when you mess it up, you're messing with someone's financial health and their mental health at that point. Yeah. And like, so that's something that like, if it is your fuck up, as my employer, like, then you need to fix it now, not next month. You know, you need to fix it now. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a very frustrating, frustrating thing to happen. If you're new to a company or you're not doing it already, check your pay stubs every month, make sure you're getting paid properly. They do fuck up. And I don't know what the case is for AIS or AOI, but Saltwater uses ADP. It's easy. Just get the mobile app. The mobile app sucks, but if you can get in and check your pay stub every month, do it. It's going to save you 
potentially hundreds of dollars and yeah. hold hey, the I company see. accountable. God, I know a lot of people at observers love to bitch about their providers and getting screwed over by your provider seems to be common. If you listen to what observers say, yeah, I don't oh. think I've ever been let down or uh, I don't know, screwed over often. I've definitely done my fair share of as well, but the uh, most of the time my contracts seem to go pretty smoothly. I usually am on only one or two vessels and I get out when I ask to. And yeah, I will say never pay out of pocket for a flight that your boss should be paying for. Have you done that? Um, I've never done that. Yeah, I was actually asked to. And I was told that I would be reimbursed and I was not. So yeah, never pay out of pocket for flights that your boss should be paying for. Make sure that you absolutely look up what they're supposed to be doing and what they're supposed to be paying for. Because if you pay for it, they don't necessarily have to reimburse you, which is such bullshit. Just make sure that you don't pay for flights unless it's like actually laid out in your contract that you have to pay for those. Yeah, that's probably a good bet there i've never actually heard of that i've never had to do that and that would suck hardcore yes and you'll get out of a lot of money which is bullshit but you know (laughs) you're not salty about that at all yeah i'm not salty about that at all it's not like you know i didn't need that thousand dollars or whatever but you know whatever (laughs) yeah Um, i mean observer providers the three big ones, you know, it, they all have their pluses and minuses. Everybody's got their stories to tell. Saltwater bunkhouse is a lot easier to deal with in Dutch Harbor than AOIs, it, but it's a lot farther away. It's a long freaking walk from Safeway to the bunkhouse, and it's a $20 cab ride or whatever. At least it yeah, was back then. I don't know but, what the cab rates are now. But we have foxes in the backyard. So you have foxes everywhere in Dutch. <laughs> so that doesn't really count. Yeah, but they're in our backyard in Dutch. <laughs> oh, I will say AOI and Saltwater has an advantage where they do have bunkhouses, not just in Seattle. Like AOI and Saltwater have bunkhouses in Anchorage. They have bunkhouses in Dutch. Um, AIS only has a bunkhouse in Seattle. Everywhere else you will be staying in disgusting hotels oh really not even anchorage nope not even anchorage um i will say anchorage we do stay in a very nice hotel in anchorage unless it's full and then we're in this scuzzy one um (laughs) but you know when we're in any other port it's basically just like whatever's cheapest they throw us into which Mm -hmm. is a lot of times disgusting especially in dutch harbor those hotels are like i refuse to sleep in the beds in dutch harbor at the hotel that they put us in Oh, yeah. Yeah, because like one time, like I swear to God, my sheets were just made, but there was like stuff on my sheets and like hair. And like, I, I swear they didn't wash Gross. them. They just like made the bed. So I refuse. I'll like take out my bedding from my boat. This <laughs> is bad. And I'll, <laughs> and I'll sleep on that. Um, there you go. Yeah. Kodiak, we actually are in the Shelikoff and I've actually gotten like pretty close with like the staff there. And I will say like the Shelikoff, the staff there is awesome. You know, little blurb out to them, I guess. But uh, they're actually a yeah. pretty cool hotel. I think all 
observer providers put people in the Shelikoff and it's really conveniently located. And I mean, it's a pretty nice hotel. The internet's good and I can really appreciate that. Yeah. And pre-COVID, they have a bar right there in the hotel. So I never had to like leave. I could like go down, order fries, get a glass of wine, go back up to my room, watch a movie, go to bed. (laughs) Yeah. Kodiak, I love going to Kodiak. It's fun to get to walk around the island. It's Joanne is there and she's really fun to talk to and see when you're out and about. She does keep an eye on and she does hear about all the shenanigans that observers do in Kodiak. So keep your wits about you. She's always down to hike, which is awesome. There's like so many times that I've been there and I'm like, hey, Joanne, what hike do you want to do today? She's like, let's go do this one. And I'm like, yeah. And so, I mean, I've been on a lot of cool hikes with her. Like if you super need to, like she'll actually like come and pick you up for things, especially if you're like at the Shellacoff and you need to ride to your boat. I mean, like she's awesome at that. Yeah. And, you know, providers are our bosses, but the people that work for them are also people. And I've had a lot of really positive and fun experiences with pretty much all of my bosses. I mean, last year when I got stuck in that quarantine, which sucked uh, prior, uh, Stacy gave my second and I little baskets, little quarantine fun bags. She gave us little uh, a glass because we were missing New Year's. So she gave us a little champagne glass and some sparkling apple cider uh, to go with it. And some books and some crossword puzzles and some coloring books and coloring pencils. I think there are pencils. It may have been crayons. I don't remember. Um, <laughs> and it was just really cool. It was like something that shows they do care. Um, they know they're putting us out and they are people too. And they care. Yeah. I've had some shitty contracts and some shitty things happen, but in the end, the people that I work for, I actually enjoy and they're really cool. I like hanging out with Joanne, especially when we're in Dutch or in Kodiak and the talking to Jen at the bunkhouse is always a lot of fun. There's been a couple of times where I brought in her like a couple dozen chicken eggs. Cause I get too many of them before I go out on deployment or things like that. It, it's, they are people and it's a lot of fun to hang out with them. Or at least in my experience, I've had fun hanging out with them. Yeah. I will say like saltwater has been my most enjoyable observer boss. They actually treat me like a human. Other people I've worked for in the observer arena have treated me like I was expendable and not a human and really play favoritism. I will say that, which is not cool. And then like some of them literally just treat you like dog shit. I will say like every company has, you know, at least one person that has made me feel cared for, but you know, they've also had, well, and with some companies it's more than one, but they've had at least one person where I'm just like, this person doesn't give a flying about me. Like, (laughs) So, I mean, like, you know, ups and downs with observers, but I will say like Saltwater has been by far the company that actually makes me give it, like actually makes me feel like they give a shit. Like they don't want me to die, <laughs> which is nice. That's always a positive outcome. Yeah. Um, my boss doesn't want me to die. <laughs> I'd like to state that Saltwater is not paying us for these advertisements here. <laughs> no, no, they are not. But Saltwater, if you want to sponsor us. Yeah, no, the, um. I would love to hear from maybe some people, see if we can hit them up, maybe give them the option to give us a little blurb or something if they want to be anonymous or if they want to come on and talk publicly uh, about their company. I'd, I'd love to hear more about their policies and their interactions with their supervisors and employers and how it works out well for them. I think this has been a great episode and explaining like how the contractors work and how 
the frictions between contractors and observers it it goes both ways observers do shitty things contractors do shitting things and it's not 100 percent blame on one or the other observers always want more pay contractors obviously never want to pay more than they have to yeah and like they're running you know. a business we're trying to run our lives and it's hard to mix a good balance in between those without getting somebody upset yeah but i feel like you know on either side of you know providers and observers like we can all do better um in the long run to improve you know working conditions and working environments so yeah i mean like what are some what are some benefits what not benefits uh what are some positive things that we can do to try to make the balance between providers and observers a little bit more healthy you got any ideas for that i'd like to give people some ideas yeah. So, I mean, like as observers, if we can, and I know we're going to do a whole episode on observer culture, but like if we can like seriously change the culture that we live in, you know, maybe kind of be more upfront about our mental health with each other instead of using drinking. Cause I feel like a lot of the headaches that we give our providers is because of drinking. And I feel like if we change that culture to actually be more of like a caring environment to each other and not just like shove this drink down your throat and forget your sorrows i feel like that could also help with a lot of things that we do you know with the providers and i i also feel like if we're more upfront with our providers about our needs i feel like that will also help with relationships um and the culture between us and the providers i don't know do you have any more ideas on that well, wait, do you have any ideas for providers? And I'll go into my ideas. Yeah. I mean, providers, you know, same goes to you. I mean, like, be more upfront with us. You know, I don't need you to sugarcoat shit for me. Like, I need you to tell me, like, this is what I need from you. And this is what I'm getting at. Like, I don't want you to, like, shadily tell me, like, oh, yeah, definitely this. And then I get out there and it's not. Or, you know, like, if I'm asking a question... I don't want a sugar-coated answer. I want you to give me like a straightforward, this is what it is answer, not just what I want to hear type of answer. I feel like that would really improve some things that happen in in our world. I completely agree with that. That's actually what I was going to say. I feel like more often than not, they tell me what I want to hear and then I get out there and it's completely different and I'm not mentally prepared or I'm just not prepared physically at all for this. I don't have the right gear or something like that. And I don't want that. I want to be told the truth. I want them to just say, Hey, to be honest with you, Wayne, like this is going to suck. It's the boat's going to suck or this assignment's going to suck. It's going to be hard. It's going to be cold. You're going to have to work a lot. So just be prepared for that. And I, I'm not going to turn down in a contract because my employer was honest with me about what the working conditions or how this is going to work out. Like, Hey, I'm not going to have a four day notice on when you're going to get deployed this time. I'm only going to have a two day notice most likely. So here's what's going to happen. You're going to be, have to be prepared for you. And I'll let you know as soon as I can. And that's what I want. Like I want my employer, my provider, my contractor to be more upfront with the actual truth. I don't want to hear what they want to give me to think that I want to hear, you know, I, I want to know the truth. I want to know what's actually going on. And I feel like I'm mature enough. I've been doing this job for five and a half, almost six years now working on it. And I feel like I'm mature enough to be told the truth. I'm not a child. I'm an adult in a profession 
that I take seriously and I want to be treated as such. Yeah. And I feel like that stems in both regards, providers and observers. It stems from like a fear of rejection. So like the fear of no. And I mean, the worst possible thing, like if they tell you no, I mean, at least you have an answer. So I mean, like, you know, on the provider side, that sucks. You have to find another observer, you know, but at least you have somebody that's more mentally prepared and will give you better data. And then on the observer side, the worst case scenario, your your provider tells you no, well, you know, that gives you more opportunity to talk with them about your needs or just decline that contract because it, you know, you know, in the end, you won't you won't do a good job as far as data and performance and whatever. So, I mean, like, I, I feel like both sides need to stop being afraid of that no and just be straightforward. I, I completely agree with that. And huh. I'm going to agree with your first point as well. It's something observers can do to show more that the professionals to be make their providers' lives easier is, you know, just be on time. If you're going to be there, be there. Like, don't say you're going to, you know, make a flight or do a contract and then flake out on it or say you're going to be at a boat and flake out on it. Just be there when you told your provider provider you would be. If you're going to be go to the training, go to the training. Don't miss it. Don't miss your flights. Don't do anything like that. Be on top of these things and be the professional that you are. It's not whether you think you are. You, we are professionals up here and you need to act like it. Stay on top of your shit and it will make your contractor's life easier and that will make your life easier. Yeah, don't treat this like a blow off job. We are given a lot of freedom up there, but like that freedom comes with responsibility. So don't treat it like a blow off job. All right. Well, that's everything I got, Lauren. You got anything else to add to this episode? Um, Not really. I feel like I'm a mom right now lecturing my teenagers i completely agree with that i feel very uh very uh not paternal but something close to that yeah like i feel kind of like i don't know i feel like i should have been drinking for that (laughs) (laughs) just kidding do that you're not on employment you're not on contract you're fine (laughs) just kidding just kidding yeah i I hope everybody enjoyed the episode and i promise we'll be funnier next time maybe Maybe. We'll see. Yeah, maybe. What's our I next topic going to be on? Uh, Is our next one nymphs? You know what? Our, our next one might be nymphs. Watch out, nymphs. We are yeah. coming We're for you. We're coming for you. <laughs> we'll see if we can get somebody from nymphs to actually come on and talk to us. See what Ooh, they can say. Hell yeah. We'll hit up and ask if we can get permission. So, yeah. Shout out. Shout out. How you doing? Anybody the nymphs that wants to talk to us and is allowed to by their boss whose name escapes me currently. There you go. Yeah, I like. She's a cool chick. Or I, I don't know. I don't know her pronouns. I'm assuming. Sorry, I'm assuming your pronouns are chick. She, her, and chick. Yeah. <laughs> I don't uh, know. Can can you consider chick a pronoun? You could use. I feel like you consider anything a pronoun. Um, I want to be referred to as green tea. That's my pronoun. Okay. 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 Well, thank you, green tea. Thank you. Thank you for using my proper pronouns. Um, but in all seriousness. Uh, yeah, if, if you tell me your pronouns, I, I will use them. I am respectful. <laughs> Jokes aside. <Jesus Christ>. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about preparing for our next week's episode. So yes. everybody have a fantastic day. Have happy holidays and we'll catch you next time. <laughs> Bye. Signing out. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Alveder Zane. <laughs> Choked in the middle of saying bye. <laughs> <laughs> like-
on some phlegm. I was like, ah! <laughs> <laughs>